Tracy, aren't you wondering what harmony metal is? I am. I actually am. I don't know what that is. <laughs> harmony metal is recycled sterling silver, and our friends at White Light Productions only use harmony metal when they create their sea glass jewelry. Okay, now it's all coming back to me. And we talked about this before, and I appreciate that because it is so much better than ripping a hole into the earth to get more metal. We love White Light Productions Sea Glass Jewelry. Uh, as you know, we've talked about them on our podcast before, and you can check out their designs at www.seaglass.us. They make beautiful sea glass and sterling silver jewelry using recycled and repurposed materials. They have so many styles. Find some for someone you love. You know Tracy and I love to send mail because we are so heckin' far apart from each other, and their jewelry makes a perfect thoughtful gift that is as good for your sensitive little ears as it is for the planet. So check out seaglass.us and be sure to use our code for 10% off. It is WF10. That's for our Willing and Fable listeners, WF10. pitching a lot lately that you should move into a castle with your best friend and fill it with puppies and mm -hmm. and horses i recognize that it's very presumptive for me no, to it's just you. assume it's you. okay yeah, good. Okay, you. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay 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 i uh i just want to formally on the record as this is a recording say at this point if you don't find us a castle to live in i will be crushed <laughs> I understand that. And here's the thing. I could probably find us a castle to live in. It's just like the upkeep, though. Okay, but what if it's like a your home is your castle kind of situation and we just find a house that's like a little spooky? <gasps> oh, I like that even better. We can just decorate the interior to look like a castle with like a library. What if we find a plot of land where no one wants to live, like just like middle of nowhere okay. land and mm -hmm. build our own castle to exactly our specifications? Okay, yeah. I mean, listen, I feel like if we go on Zillow and we make the search specifications like must have a ghost, we're going to be starting on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. We'll bring our own ghosts. We can supply that. Come along with just a troop of puppies and spirits and Lola. <laughs> if that's not the energy of this podcast, I don't know what is. Yeah, I feel like I feel like maybe maybe our house that's our castle is actually our house that's our castle that's our podcast. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. Mm <laughs> Hi, welcome to our house castle podcast. My name is Rowan Hall and I'm Tracy Harrison. And this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. And if you want to support this show, you can do so by buying our merch joining us on Patreon, leaving a review, or you can leave a trail of breadcrumbs in the woods for a curious passerby to follow slowly through the forest as the trees loom ominously over them. The trail curving and winding through the brush ultimately leads them to discover this podcast. But no matter what you do, we appreciate you. That has not stopped being hilariously <laughs> funny to me. The amount of pressure I put on myself now to come up with something different each week is crazy, and I do not understand how Parker creates such good genders of the week every week on TikTok. Oh. For anyone who has no idea what we're talking about, Parker is humble tortoise on TikTok, and they are a very, very good TikTok friend. <laughs> we just <laughs> mutually get excited about each other. Um, they come up with really absurd funny almost like dada-esque genders of the week truly iconic genders of the week and i aspire to reach their level of just absurdity in these that's the energy i want to bring i can sub in for some if you need assistance i can't promise that they will be parker level or even tracy level but i can i can assist <laughs> i'm here for you so all right, you know what? 
I'm going to seg. I'm going to try to do a smooth seg. Uh, speaking of absurdity, <laughs> let's talk about not that. Uh, Tracy. Smooth seg. Excellent. Thank like you. butter. Thank you. <laughs> speaking of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my new favorite kind of segue is one that has absolutely nothing to do with what was previously being talked about. <laughs> we are losing our ever-loving that minds. That is the peak of comedy. Just pretending the person was talking about something they absolutely weren't. Like, <laughs> speaking of apple pies. <laughs> Someone can tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like that is a very particular brand of comedy that I encountered a lot on the east coast that i don't encounter a lot on the west coast i feel like if i did that on the west coast to a passerby they'd be very snurged out that i just totally derailed things and on the <laughs> east coast or at least from our area it'd be like ah i see you <laughs> i don't know if it's an our area thing or not because you think of west coast people as being more chill but i think you know I think there's West Coast people and then there's L.A. people, and that might be a little bit different. Oh, yeah. The West Coast is filled with a variety of very interesting, diverse, cool humans, and I am in just one massive county of an even more massive state. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Dungeons & Dragons, mm -hmm. our springtime sponsor is Greenleaf Geek. We have had our nerdness validated we have our, our inner child is so excited because we have a dice company as our sponsor and tracy introduced the idea that we get to quiz each other about our DD history as mm -hmm. an excuse to talk about dice and i love that so trace yes what is the coolest D, &D fight you've had this one is surprisingly easy to answer it was a fight DM'd by Tim, and we were in these towers, and during the fight, the towers started rolling. Like, they crashed over, started rolling, and there was only one window in the tower, and they were rolling off a cliff. So you had to fight these – basically, these creatures were space lions who <laughs> were so cool. So we're fighting space lions in a tower, rolling towards the edge of a cliff, and – like in the movie Aladdin, we had to aim ourselves at the window so we could jump out as the tower rolled over us and didn't crush us. And we each had to make a roll and a save to get out the window and not be crushed by the tower as it rolled off the cliff. That's so cool. It was so cool. It was so much fun. It has stuck in my mind for years. Hands down, best fight I've ever been in. Poor, poor Tim DMing it. That must have been very stressful. That is such a Tim move. Uh, some of you guys might recognize Tim because he was on our Whiskey and Fable episodes in season one. Mm -hmm. And he is very clever. He's just a very clever human being. That sounds exactly like the kind of fight I would expect from him. Yes, he loves rules. He's, he's a different DM than uh, Kaylee or Casey, where it, Tim will let you do absolutely anything within the bounds of the rules, but he will play with the rules to make it happen so everything mm. has numbers and and it's it's a different way of dming but it's super fun and he's very clever and he is a history buff slash an actual historian so he he brings a lot of that into it as well so that was my favorite fight that i've ever had tim has got those shiny math rocks on lock he does high level equations with his shiny math rocks he really does so okay you gotta pick if you could go back in time into that fight and bring your green leaf geek dice which set are you bringing hands down the medusa dice i want those medusa dice those beautiful looking stone dice with the gold numbers that were curated by leah at green leaf geek they would match the stone of the tower and i feel like that's the energy i want i want to feel like i brought some of that tower into my hand so that i could then control it and own it and climb out the window while fighting space lions i love that for you I do. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so if you guys want to go shopping with Greenleaf Geek and actually geek out like we do every week, uh, head over to greenleafgeek.com or check Leah's work out at Greenleaf Geek on Twitter and Instagram. And 
If you go shopping, you sweet little dice goblin, use our code FABLE, that's F-A-B-L-E, for 10% off your order. Some restrictions apply. So speaking of things that are not D&D, this is our 50th episode of this oh podcast. Oh my gosh. Rowan, <laughs> Rowan, look me in the eyes. We have done this 50 times, and we still really like each other. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yes, Tracy, we do still like each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for that one time in episode. No, I'm just kidding. It is shocking how. You know what? I'm. I might actually like you even more. My affection grows every single day. Something, something. Sonnet by William Shakespeare. Beautiful, iconic, amazing, glowing, effervescent. Are you describing soda? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I ended with immutable, which just means can't be changed. So I don't, I'm doing great. We did 50. We've been doing this, exactly (laughs) this kind of behavior for 50 episodes. And you have all been with us to the people who joined us in the beginning when we were working out some of the basics. Thank you to the people who joined us more recently while we're still working out how to do human thank you (laughs) yes we have newer microphones than we did in the beginning but not newer people skills nope not a one (laughs) not even a little but in honor of making it this far together we wanted to tell our listeners some of the stories that you have shared with us That's right. This week, we're doing Listener Legends, and if you'd like to share your own legend with us, like some of our other lovely listeners have, you can send us an email at willingandfable at gmail.com, or you can head over to willingandfable.com slash contact. We have a cool little form for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It asks for your pronouns, and that's really super helpful for us, so 10 out of 10 would recommend Tracy programmed that. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely was the most complicated programming I've ever done. But whether you joined us on Patreon, bought our merch, or simply listened to our episodes, we want you to know that your support means the world to us. We're glad you still like us after all this time. I'm really (laughs) thrown by that. It didn't ever occur to me that maybe that would be in jeopardy ever. I sort of thought that like, uh uh-huh, yeah, I sort of thought our friendship was immutable. All right, all right, all right. In all seriousness, I pulled these listener legends, and I um, I tried to not read them too much, if I'm being honest, because I really mm-hmm. like it when podcasts do it, and it's kind of a surprise in the moment. So, right. Uh, if these are really scary, Tracy, I'm not sorry. If uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I get to start. This is by anonymous, but. They lovingly provided she-they pronouns. Thank you so much. Uh, And the title is Italian Witches. Ooh. ooh, I know. Okay. I know. Okay, ready? So, my dad was telling a story, and it's completely true. But it was kind of a long story, so this isn't really word for word. It had been some evening, and me and my dad and stepdad were making dinner, probably Italian food, and one conversation led to another when we started talking about my dad's younger days. Some of his relatives had a decent-sized home that was pretty old. There was probably something that tied it to being spooky, but this conversation was quite a while ago. He had a friend or cousin over at that house because he went there every year, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, they were going to bed, and it was pitch black. After some time, there was a slight noise, so my dad's woken up by his friend or cousin, and and this noise was usual to my dad, because it happened every year. But to this new guest, it was quite a bit spooky. After my dad had settled down, his friend or cousin, they went back to bed. Sometime the next day, my dad asked his grandmother, what's up with the noises? I mean, after years of hearing them, might as well figure out what they are. Oh, it's nothing, you don't have to worry, was her response. Then, something my dad could barely hear was something he thought was gibberish. Why was she speaking gibberish? Well, after my dad grew up and had learned some things about his family, he realized she was muttering a spell or incantation to keep ghosts away. That side of his family was Italian, hence the Italian witches. 
Whoa. That's that <laughs> that's really cool. Um I want to know who the ghosts were. Yeah, I I I need ugh. The problem with getting these so cool stories is I want to go to the house now. I want to go to the I house. Know, and I want follow-ups. I wanna... Like, I want to ask more questions. I want to see – so if there's more info that you have for us, please send it in. One of my favorite things about witch stories that come from people's families are, you know, generational witches. And there's a lot of stories – Kaylee and I always find them for each other on the internet, and it's very funny. The ones that make us laugh most often are usually mothers or grandmothers, and – when they're in a house that's haunted, they don't do anything that's super ritualistic and shiny. They just go, you know, like, get the heck out of my house. And that's it. I've heard so many people doing that where they just yell at the ghost and they're like, stop. I love it. Apparently it works. Yeah. Does that work for the ghost that keeps shutting your door? Uh, no. <laughs> it It's the door. It's the lights. It's the TV. I just, I've actually decided that because all the things they do are clearly just trying to exist in the space, I'm I'm neutral on it. Usually when the door creaks open, it's at an inopportune moment and it's very loud and noisy. And so I just always go, come on, get in here like a cat. <laughs> um, and recently I was doing that and my roommate came in and, you know, she also kind of acknowledges the ghost. But she was looking at me like I was bananas. It was very funny. Because <laughs> really I do the gesture too. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be welcoming. <laughs> All right, time for our next story. Mm hmm. Okay. This one was sent in by Cassidy W. And uh, she goes by she, her. The title is Ghosts Can Save Lives and Predict Quakes. Hmm. When I was small, my parents moved the whole family into a big house that was built in the 1940s. It was well known to be haunted by the man who built it. He later also died there. People had seen, heard, or felt spooky things that they usually wrote off as animals or the house settling, except two things. There's the minor case where my mother was sure that she heard her father call her by name clear as a bell, except that he was still alive and miles away. Then there's the other time. My brother had a friend who needed a place to stay for a while, but rather than staying in the large basement where my brother's room was, he stayed in the living room. Why? Because the basement terrified him too much to be down there after dark. Then, one day, he had a horrible feeling that the basement concrete on all six sides was the only safe place to be he slept in the basement that night there was also a big earthquake that night and the chimney fell over it fell right on top of both living room couches he swears the ghost gave him that premonition and saved his life somehow the ghost knew the quake was coming also we moved after that the quake did too much damage to repair Oh my gosh. <laughs> that one is crazy. That's such a good ghost story. I love stories about like, I don't know, the idea of like getting an overwhelming feeling and it being someone communicating with you. I mean, that is insane to think about being so afraid of that basement all of a sudden being like, I have to be down there. Feelings like that, moments of intuition, those those feelings that are so strong Mm -hmm. Every time I haven't listened to them, things have gone south. I think I think those those moments are like you just gotta. You go have with to your... listen to them. Just go with it. I believe I so believe in that, and I want to hear more stories from you guys about times that your gut like told you something, and yeah. you followed it or didn't. I I also really love that in this story, you know, people are writing off the sounds as you know the house settling and things like this. Mm -hmm. I want to do the opposite. If I have a creaky, loud house, if the house is settling, okay, fine. I'm going to go, nope, it's a ghost. Everything. Just heighten it. Like, <laughs> nope, there's a poltergeist in my house. Oh, sorry, it's the werewolf growling outside. I forgot to feed it. Just everything to the nth degree. I feel like that is dangerous energy to manifest, but I also kind of love the chaotic nature of it. <laughs> sorry, it's the shapeshifter. My bad. <laughs> Sometimes it's just the the 
red cap living in your walls. Oh, ooh, good reference. Thank you. All right, this one is long, and I am excited because I get the feeling that it might also be in the spooky vein. I feel like having pulled these stories that everyone was kind of writing to us in the spooky vein, and I really appreciate that. Us giving off a vibe that we want spooky things <laughs> doesn't seem right. Not in this economy. <laughs> this economy? Spooky? <laughs> okay, okay, what's the next story? This is by Tom W. He, him pronouns. Thank you so much. The title is Family Staying Around in an Old San Francisco House. Ooh, all right. In the summer of 2004, we were living in our grandparents' finished basement. My wife, our one-year-old daughter, and our Siberian husky. The basement had been fine for just the two of us, but once baby came along, we needed more space. Fortunately, Grandma, we call her Ama, came to us with info that her sister's old house was going to be up for rent, and our cousin, who had inherited it from his mother, wanted to keep someone from the family living there. Rent was whatever you can afford, and the house was beautiful, so how could we resist? First thing we saw walking up the stairs to visit was a painted sign, Tony and Sally's Place, it declared, a gift to Uncle Tony and Aunt Sally that they had proudly displayed above their entryway. I turned to my wife and said, that stays, as we both loved the touch and the thought of having that little bit of Tony and Sally there at the house. The house was beautiful, built in 1932 with high ceilings, ornate crown moldings, a great fireplace. It checked all the boxes. While not a classic Victorian, it was a very San Francisco-style house. Only thing was that among the older generation of the family, there were conflicting stories as to whether Tony, Sally, both, or neither had actually passed away in the house. We never got a straight answer on that. As we settled in, we were very happy in the house, but both of us would every so often feel that sense that we weren't alone or that we were being watched. We even asked Amma several times if Tony and Sally would be happy that we were in the house, to which she always replied that of course they would. I was affected more than my wife, particularly when I had to go downstairs at night. The downstairs was a garage with a large window looking into our small backyard, and it always gave me the creeps. I very often would be down there and just felt watched and the hair on the back of my neck would stick up, leading me to dash upstairs as fast as I could. Yes, yes, I am a grown adult. A year or two in, my wife had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and she swears she saw Uncle Tony walk from the kitchen to the stairwell leading downstairs. It was the only time she saw him that defined, but both of us saw shadows crossing the hallway or doorways over the years. Looking at photos taken there, particularly when we had people over for parties, we would always see orbs in the photos, sometimes in the corners and sometimes front and center. Tony and Sally loved to entertain, so it looked and felt like they were joining in the celebrations with us. As a matter of fact, we are convinced one time they actually were playing with us. My daughter was about six or seven at the time, and we had the family over for Easter, I believe, and she had some of her toys out in what we referred to as the red room. It was painted red, but also that room seemed to have the most feel of Tony and Sally out of any of the other rooms. She was playing with her weebles, but went to bed with them still out on the floor. Only a couple hours later did someone walk into the red room and find that all of her weebles were lined up in a neat and tidy row. We know she didn't do it, and nobody else admitted to doing it, and we didn't really see anyone in that room. We never found out what exactly happened, but we're convinced Aunt Sally was organizing. While I got the creeps, as I've mentioned, my wife says she never ever felt anything malevolent from the presences in the house. They would, however, find ways to show displeasure when things were not as they should be, and this manifested itself in the Tony and Sally's Place sign. We found, crazy as it may be, that if the sign were ever hanging crooked, things would happen in the house. Most often, it would be glasses falling and breaking or light bulbs burning out, 
It got to the point where any time some odd occurrence like that would happen, we would look at each other and just say, check the sign. More likely than not, it would be crooked. We moved after 12 years when our cousin decided he didn't want to hold on to the San Francisco house anymore. It was sad to leave, but we're now in a very nice, much more modern place. Out of sentimentality, however, we decided to keep the sign and bring it with us. It will be in a place of honor once our backyard is finished. Oddly enough, while I have never seen or felt anything, my wife tells me there's a presence in our new house as well. But that's a different story. Oh, that was so good. Oh, I got the shivers a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Tony and Sally. I love that Sally's like, excuse me, you need to at least organize the toys if you're going to have them on the floor. Um, the idea that things would happen so often that it just became commonplace to be like, okay, check the sign. Like, that speaks volumes to what it was like living there. Also, an adult running up the stairs in terror is a perfectly normal thing to do. I don't know what you're yes. talking about. <laughs> yes, absolutely. My uncle, uh, Mark, he he they flip houses and he often mm-hmm. gets his hand on old Victorian spooky houses. Mm-hmm. They used to live in one that belonged to an old, I guess, preacher, mm-hmm. uh, head of the church in the area. And if you went down the main staircase, there was a little well at the bottom to hold holy water. <gasps> oh, my God. I know. I know. And there are all kinds of spooky stories from that house. But I just used to wander like a little creeple looking for the, the spookiest places. <laughs> It had a widow's watch. Like, ugh, that's the dream. It is the dream. I, um, in high school, someone I knew that I did a community theater with had a um, cast party at his house. Like, his parents hosted it. And his dad is a famous painter. Um, and so they had this beautiful house from 1800s, like old school house. Had a, you know, widow's watch. But then in the back, it had a studio. And that was his father's art studio and mm. in the window inlaid in the glass was an inverted pentagram from like the original are house are you kidding me <laughs> yeah <gasps> yeah i love a spooky house that has rooms that are a specific color yes. too like my uncle's house my room was the lavender room and everything and it was lavender and and you could it just being able to go oh yeah, yeah just head up to the yellow room or whatever there's just a specific feel to that especially in the spooky genre it's a similar energy to naming your house oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. when you have a house that's like fancy enough to have a name in case anyone was curious this episode is just tracy and i shopping for our future <laughs> spooky house that is our castle <laughs> yeah i still insist on making it ourselves so we can have all like modern appliances and fixtures because one of the biggest things with old houses is one lead paint but two every fixture and everything is custom so it takes eight times as much money to fix anything that breaks but Tracy, lead paint tastes so sweet. It's like having little snacks on all the walls. It is for a very short time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your turn. All right. Okay. This one was sent in by Marianne M., who goes by she, her. It's called Trying to Get Attacked by the Goat Man. What? <laughs> Hello. Here's my legend. In the back roads around Beltsville, Maryland, there's supposed to be a half-goat, half-man hybrid who might have been created by accident at the nearby Agricultural Research Center. He roams the woods in general, but there's a specific bridge that he allegedly frequents. According to one legend, the goatman would approach and attack courting lovers at that bridge specifically. So when I was especially aimless and depressed in 2011 and interested in joining forces with the goatman... I'd take various people I was dating there. We'd park and walk around and look for signs of the goat man. I did tell them we were looking for the goat man, but not about the courting lovers aspect. The bridge was also referred to as a crybaby bridge because the ghost of a baby cries there. I did not encounter the goat man or the ghost baby. I did see a deer, though, which was scary. Marianne, we have to talk about the scary deer. (laughs) If you ever come face-to-face with a deer, I will say it is a frightening experience. They're usually way further away. 
If you get to the point where you're face to face with a deer, that's like too close. Uh, you know what? I I'm a bad reference for this. I grew up with horses and in the woods. There's just a lot of big furry critters like that. I just they have such such doe eyes. Or well, <laughs> uh, boy deers also have the like I will wreck your day energy. I want to jump back to this and talk about the energy of Marianne saying that she brought the people she was dating here because she will, wanted to join forces with the goat man. I do like the idea of a spooky test. Like, you have to do well in this Goatman scenario to continue dating me. Oh, yeah. That sounds like it's bare minimum. But this sounds like it was, hey, Goatman, here's a little a little tasty snack for you. I'm here for you, <laughs> which is the energy that I love in this story. So I'm luring people to date me yes. so that I can offer them to the Goatman. It sounds like, and I love it. <laughs> so good <laughs> oh it's so good it's okay so, good. so for this next story i actually asked my mother my mother who i definitely deserve <laughs> to write in for me because she used to live in a victorian house ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm -hmm. and i knew that we would have that one from tom about a victorian house and clearly I love a Victorian house. So this one's actually from my mom. Okay. When I was in college, I shared a big old Victorian house with my sister. It was a huge three-story house with six bedrooms. We rented out two of the bedrooms and each kept two for ourselves so we could have a workspace. The renters paid most of the rent. It was perfect. I was still going to college and so was coming home at all sorts of odd hours. The house had an old-fashioned entrance with two glass doors in a row. One night, when I got home, I noticed a flicker of white on the staircase. At first, I thought it was just a trick of the eye, but then I started looking for it when I got home. I noticed that if I quickly went to the front door and immediately looked at the staircase, sometimes I could see what looked to be a little girl, all dressed in white with blonde hair, running up the stairs. I tried to get quicker and quicker opening the doors and would run up the stairs after her. Sometimes I could see her run up the second set of steps, but whenever I got to the top floor, there was never anyone there. I asked my roommates if they had seen anything like this. None of them had. I did notice that all of our cats, we had four of them, were never on or anywhere near the staircase when I saw her. Okay, that one gave me the chills. Ooh. It's so good. It's so your mom to be like, I saw something spooky, so then I got better at seeing something spooky. <laughs> I know. I've always loved this story because my mom chose to chase it. Mm -hmm. There was no, you know what, maybe I'm gonna not go near the staircase or I'll hang up my coat extra slow to give it time to go away. There was, no, I'm gonna be fast and I'm gonna get it. <laughs> I love that. I remember her telling a little bit about the story when we were kids and, you know, playing in graveyards and playing with Ouija boards, which, you know, ooh. but uh, she would talk about... Not, mm, ooh. <laughs> She would talk about that little girl ghost, and I never knew the story of where it came from. I just remember her talking about how she would see a little girl ghost. Child ghosts are the scariest ones. We can all admit oh, that, right? all of us. Yes, absolutely. I just love that story so much. So I a little bit cheated on the listener legends front. I just, I needed my mom to make it, it tellable for me. I love it because my mom so firmly does not believe in ghosts that I knew I wouldn't have one to supply. Oh, no. I'm very thankful for my mother's spookiness. I am also camp spooky. I'm, I am camp spooky all the way, but I'm definitely <laughs> um, unique in that in my family. I feel like I spent a lot of my childhood and consequently thrust upon you for a lot of your childhood. The like, all right, I'm here. If any ghosts are available and want to make themselves known, I am here. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. I think at it's, your leisure. Yeah, just whenever, <laughs> whenever you feel like it. Hello, I'm here. Uh, it'd be a real shame if someone were to come hang out. Um, I think the difference of being raised by two scientists versus two artists. You can see my my family's very much like, what's the science behind it, huh? 
Did you, so you felt something? You just felt a little weird? You sure the window wasn't open and you were just chilly? Like, it's just not <laughs> that energy. I also love this story because I have always been very envious of that. My mom tells so many stories from that time when she and her sister lived in that house. Mm-hmm. Like, three stories, six bedrooms, two roommates that pay most of the rent, and both of you having two bedrooms each? That's the dream. That's the life. That's the dream. I told I don't know if I've I told you about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but how for my cousin's wedding a couple of years ago, I stayed at an Airbnb that was a house built in the 1840s in uh near Ooh. Hudson, New York. And it was previously owned by Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer. Oh, you did talk about this. Go, 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 go. More, more, more. Well, so it just reminded <laughs> me because it was a three-story Victorian house built in the 1840s and it was gorgeous and beautiful and it was this townhouse so it was very long with all these different winding rooms going down and Mm. um the room that i slept in was actually it had a painting that amanda palmer had painted on the wall like a mural (gasps) decorated on it and of course the person showing us the house was like you know this house used to be owned by someone famous it's um the singer amanda palmer and her husband and i was like her husband neil gaiman the writer whose book i literally brought to read on this trip that's the i'm so i read one of neil gaiman's books in neil gaiman's old house did that feel really powerful were you having a very strong yeah. literary there was moment an energy in that house like not a bad energy but it definitely was it that house had its own personality oh and the best part the best part there was a courtyard in the back because it was an old school victorian townhouse so there's a little courtyard, and we would hang. We hung out there at night. Guess who hung from the roof a few feet away from us, chilling out the whole time? A crow, a bat. Oh, a real a bat? real bat a sweet just little hung baby? out. You know, he slept during the day, and then as like night came on, he was like wigging around, waking up, doing his little thing. So we named him Neil. That's awesome. See, Trace, that's why old houses are good, too. They have a lot of energy in them. They do. They got their own thing going on. They've got an opinion on the world. My aunt lived in, I guess it would be a brownstone in Philly for a long Mm -hmm. time that was also three stories, spiral staircase all the way up, those pocket doors with the glass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, hats off to my Aunt Jessie, because this is such a good, cool aunt move i figured out that just outside their bedroom door on the third floor one of the boards was loose and you could pick it up Mm -hmm. and you could put stuff in it (laughs) and so she would put things for me to find in the floorboard oh my god i love that isn't that cute and then when they moved out we put kind of a little time capsule in there in case the people who moved in checked i love that that is very sweet Secret floorboards, amazing. If anyone has an old house, check the wall behind the bathroom mirror because a blades. blades, a lot of those old houses, blades. the way you got rid of your razor blades was they literally had a razor blade hole in the wall and you would just put them in the wall, in the hole. And so people doing renovations will freak out because they'll move the walls and suddenly a bunch of razor blades come out and they don't know what that means. It's just because people used to dispose of razor blades with the razor blade hole in the wall in the bathroom. So check that out if you have an it's old house. It's actually really clever. It, uh, yeah. It, well, yeah, it's better than putting it in a landfill or anything like that. So It's a really great way for no one to get cut. At least because, you know, you're not thinking, oh, maybe in 100 years someone will want to move this wall to have an open concept kitchen. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you and I are adults, sort of, kind of, because we're really just geeking out about the real estate. We are. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next story. This was sent in by KDR. She goes by she, her. It is called Spooky Road Blood. I grew up in a rural adjacent area of Maryland, so you have some in-town suburb parts and farmland. People frequently travel between the two, but a lot of times you're only a little ways out from civilization and suddenly feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere. I was in a play in high school and got a ride home from rehearsal with one of the other cast members. We're driving along through an area of farms and woods, sort of alternating like trees, flat, trees, open space. There's no streetlights, 
going kind of slow because it's really dark. The high beams lit up this spot on the road bright red. We had just driven over a huge blood-red patch longer than the length of the car blood-smeared on the pavement. We're looking around because this is usually a telltale sign that someone's hit a deer, but there is nothing else on the road for the next few minutes. We get to the traffic light that eases you back out of full darkness, and before we felt comfortable enough to look at each other with that did-you-see-that-too expression on both of our faces. The next day, in full daylight, we have to drive back the same way to get back to the place where we were rehearsing, and there was no sign of it. It hadn't rained, and in less than 12 hours, where did the blood go? If I had been driving by myself, I probably would have been able to convince myself that I was mistaken, but we both saw it. Maybe there's a zombie deer out there, or a gruesome murderer cleaned up in the wee hours. Yes! Yes! (laughs) I love it! Spooky murder zombie deer. Deer scary! My first thought was, you know, someone hit a deer, and then that person was went, oh, you know, I could also then have deer for dinner, I guess, now. Um, but the fact that the blood was gone, I gotta go with Mothman, I guess, now. That's the only p- plausible option. Mothman just doing his civil duty and cleaning up the road. Mothman, my moth bro. Mothman, my moth bro, being a bro, doing his bro thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rowan, we have one more. It's all yours. This is from Josie, he, him. It's called Augusta, Georgia's Haunted Pillar. In downtown Augusta, Georgia, alongside the main thoroughfare of Broad Street, there was a pillar. About 10 feet tall, maybe 2 feet thick, round, smooth, Greek-looking pillar. Not holding anything up above it, just standing alone at the edge of the sidewalk. I've heard two main legends about it. One was that it was part of a market where slaves were sold, and that it was cursed by a slave who was sold there. Another was that a traveling evangelist preacher visited the corner where the pillar stood and started preaching to the townsfolk, and was firmly instructed to stop hollering and move on. As he departed, he cursed the area, and specifically the pillar, saying that anyone who touched it would be struck dead. Internet scholars debate the origin stories, but either way, the legend builds by recounting different stories of people who tried to move the pillar and soon met their end. Road workers were reportedly struck by lightning and or crushed by their own machinery when attempting to remove the cursed pillar. So over the years, it gathered fame, a historical plaque, and a legend. However, or perhaps due to its haunted nature, local drivers kept hitting it with their cars. It was the site of several accidents, and in 2017, a car knocked it over for good, and it cracked into a few pieces. Possibly related to the auto accidents, there are a lot of bars in the area. Only a bit of concrete at its base remains. Not sure if it is still considered to be haunted. I knew about this pillar. I had no idea it was destroyed in 2017. I have known about it since before 2017. And I'm kind of sad to hear that it's been destroyed. If you ever look at pictures of it, it is very normal looking. It's just a pillar on a sidewalk. I feel like potentially that driver... No, I mean, this is just a headcanon. But I feel like that driver was like, well, you know, I'm an immortal being. I'm a vampire. This car crash won't hurt me. And I'm driving a beater. I'm due to get a new one anyway. I'm wealthy. to buy a nice new car. And so they just drove it straight into the pillar. And they were like, curse broken, suckas. Bye. <laughs> Okay, it was a vampire. It was a rich vampire doing a good deed for the world. That makes me feel better about it. (laughs) What am I doing with my whole life? That is genuinely what I was thinking about while I was reading that. You were doing your best, and I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I like that story. I love that it involved history that you're familiar with. I had heard about it. um, I've heard about it for years now, the, the pillar um it's the 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 georgia the augusta georgia pillar i just didn't know it had been destroyed we got such a wealth of spooky stories thank you everyone and thank you for all kind of committing to being spooky that was really (laughs) nice we really appreciate it and if this sparked any memories in you if it 
reminded you of a cool story from your hometown, please write in. We would love to do more Listener Legends episodes and share more of these stories with you guys because they're really cool and it's a fun way for us to tell stories that you have told us. It is really exciting. I think it makes it feel a little bit more like a campfire for us. And I want to hear those intuition stories. Yes. Those those moments where you know something and you could not explain it to your scientific parents. I also want to hear about what creepy cool place there is in your hometown. Like what is that old barn that you would sneak into or the bridge that is haunted or the goat man you're trying to sell your lovers to like tell me more of those (laughs) (laughs) our humble requests before we dive in to our something goods we just wanted to quickly let you know that tracy and i will be absconding away for a month we have to begin construction on our haunted castle mansion (laughs) (laughs) we're definitely going to be focusing on the haunted castle mansion and not our very exciting prep for our haunted spooky october that is going to last way longer than the month of october right right we're actually just sneaking away so that we can prep some really amazing stories for you we have some exciting spooky season plans and even though it is only the summertime (laughs) this is when it has to begin my friends if hey if you're a serious halloween costume person this is this is your moment i'm just friendly reminder to buy those feathers you need to hot melt glue onto things or um that moldable foam stuff that people always use i don't know go shopping get your warbler (laughs) (laughs) i have to work on my harrow hark uh halloween costumes less cosplay so you're doing harrow hark Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do a harrow costume and tim's gonna do uh the uh i don't want to spoil anything tim's doing a different costume related to the story (laughs) okay so i'm very excited I have a plan for my own costume, but I'm not going to give it away because I I change Halloween costumes in my mind once a day. Um, <laughs> I've worn the same Halloween costume for the last four years, and it's that red panda onesie. So this will be finally a good change. <laughs> I'm excited, but uh, we will miss you guys over this month. We have a lot of work to do. If you are a patron of ours, we will still be all over the Discord. There will be bloopers galore Mm -hmm. we will be on twitter and instagram we might even do a twitch stream or two so we'll let you know when that's happening as well so tracy tell me something good my something good is that my older sister is getting married and she's doing it in a way that i very much love which is that it's going to be really really small so it's really just our immediate family they're not really sparing the budget they would on like a big fancy whatever wedding They're just making it an amazing week for all of us. So she called the bakery nearby and got like four dozen cupcakes and three cakes and tarts and pies. And she wants desserts to be available for anyone at any given moment the whole week. (laughs) She like is just they're going all out and they're like, we want this to be the most delightful, fun, indulgent, wonderful, happy week for everyone we love. So I am very excited and i adore my sister i think her fiance is so wonderful he loves her so much and makes her so happy and it makes me happy to see her so happy and um i'm just excited to celebrate with them 24 7 desserts is a very harrison move and (laughs) i love that that's awesome yeah so rowan Mm, yes tell me something good I actually have two something goods. One is very little and tiny. Okay. Uh, my dad called me just before we were uh, jumping on to record, and I, I had to text him saying, you know, I'm about to record the podcast. And he just responded, be spooky. And oh. I, that's just, that's so nice. I was like, aw, dad, you're the best. <laughs> <So> sweet. <laughs> it's going to be spooky. Um, it's just very, very sweet. And the other thing I did yesterday. I went grocery shopping at midnight, Ooh. which is something that I really, really like to do because there's no one there. I don't think I'm ever brave enough to go out grocery shopping that late at night. I always feel nervous for no reason. It's brightly lit. It's safe. But I just get nervous. Well, it came in very clutch during the global pandemonium mm-hmm. because it was the time when there weren't people around. But... uh I just like it because, well, and this is 
not a great thing to say, I think, post-COVID. But it, it does feel a little bit like the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and I'm just, like, shopping in the empty grocery yeah, store. In the way that the movies portray it, where it's nice and empty and the stores are still stocked, and not in the way that it happened mm-hmm. when everyone was scrunched together in the stores and there was nothing to buy. Yes. And I do feel like I can scurry up and down the aisles and find new and exciting tastes because there aren't a lot of people around and I don't feel like I'm in the way. And this time I found blood orange marmalade that I need to try. I know. I think I'm going to cook a chicken with it or rather convince someone that I love dearly to cook a chicken with it because I'm not very enthusiastic about cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I'm very enthusiastic about buying peanut butter in bulk at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) We all have to find our passion somewhere. All right, guys. Thank you for coming to our first inaugural Listener Legends episode and our 50th 50th Willing and Fable podcast episode. That's halfway to 100. That's insane. So thank you again, everyone. We could not do this without you absolutely at all. Thank you, patrons, for believing in the podcast. Thank you, listeners, for sending in stories and showing up and being passionate and excited. We really appreciate all of it. Yes, we read everything you guys send us, every message. It means the world to us to know that there are people out there who like what we do and even in some cases think we're cool, which is just beautiful. All we want is Leah to think we're cool. So buy stuff from Greenleaf Geek so Leah thinks we're cool. That's all we want. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a regular podcaster. I'm a cool podcast. What? Nailed it. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And remember that stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our music was written and performed by Taylor Ash, and our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch. Or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. (laughs) 